Today's scripture reading comes from Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6 through 7 and verse 16. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Honor your father and mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is the word of the Lord. This is Palm Sunday, and... Um... Usually, I'm, I'm giving a, a message that is looking forward to next Sunday where we're specifically thinking about Easter. But in, in all our wrestling with this passage, I, I really thought that this, this commandment, honor your father and mother, really deserved a second look. And, um, and particularly, I, I want to speak to people today who, um, who, had hard, who had really hard childhoods. And so um, it's, a, it's a message about forgiveness and reconciliation. And it goes really to the heart of what we believe in the gospel. Um, two weeks from now, next week we're going to have a, hopefully a really wonderful Easter celebration. And then two weeks from now, um, we're going to look at um, the commandment, you shall not murder. As far as I know, we don't have anybody killed anybody in our church. But um, the roots of murder is hatred. And again, we're going to touch on the subject matter again of forgiveness. It's a really, really important subject matter. And um, this place in our heart uh, of pe- when we are wounded, and especially uh, that's, that the gospel, it is, it is God through the gospel who gives us the most profound resources for this. And um, today, especially with regard to this commandment to honor your father and mother, um, I want to address this subject um, for people who've had some, um, some hard experiences. So part one, wounded hearts from failing parents. Wounded hearts from failing parents. Part two, courageous steps to forgiveness. Courageous steps to forgiveness. And then I want to close by talking about healing and wholeness through forgiveness and reconciliation. There's a pathway through the gospel that can lead lead you to healing and wholeness. And the medicine is forgiveness and reconciliation. So let me start talking about wounded hearts. Um, Many years ago, uh, this is before before Grace and I were even dating... (laughs) When we were living in Boston, this, which is where we met, um, I wasn't even yet in full-time ministry. I think I was in part-time ministry, and I was very early. It was early in my ministry years, and in our church, I led a small group, and um, I, I won't say the person's name because it's a sensitive story. But there was a there was a woman in our small group, and um, I'm not sure if she had come to faith before she came to our church. Or basically, she came to faith in Jesus through our church. But she had joined our small group. And if you had met her, you would never have guessed that um, she, had this, she had a terrible childhood. And um, there was one evening, she started to share. So over time, you know, we had a thick love in this small group. And sometimes, uh, you know, we would start at 7.30 and <laughs> we'd go home to like... 11.30 or midnight, um, because we would get really deep talking about the things in the Bible. And then 
people would really share what's really on their heart. And over time, she felt the safety. And if you had met her, you wouldn't know. She was very talented. Um, she was very talented in artistic gifts. She, she came out of one of the top art and design schools on the East Coast. And she um, was doing really well in her career. And you would have thought, here she is. You know, she's, she's uh, one of the really talented people of this generation. But she began to talk about um, what her relationship to her parents were like. Um, it turns out that in her case, it was her mother. It was her mother who was abusive. And she had, she had really kind of profound problems with her mother and her father because her father did not protect her. It was pretty cowardly. And, uh, you know, I, I won't say any particular details, but there was one story, and I'll, let's just put it to you this way, that something happened with her mother and there was a hammer involved. I mean, just kind of imagine what kind of a childhood that must have been. Um, that's what I want to talk about today. Here's a command from God. It is one of the big ten commandments. It is the first that's just really clear that we're moving from God, you know, our relationship to God into the world. And the first people that, you know, who is, will God be at the center of our life? That God has a, has a command on how we treat certain people. It is to honor your father and mother. And um, for some of you, I know that this is, it's, this commandment is, it's going to even feel maybe even impossible for one or maybe both of your parents. And like, how can I honor them? How can I honor that? How can I honor that? And, and today, I, you know, that's not a, an uncommon story. You know, we don't, we don't have a big church, but in a church, even this size, uh, I can bet that there are people in our in our congregation. And of course, you all know people who are close to you who have a story that's like this. Or maybe put, let's put it this way. Some of you have a friend or, or a, a relative. You don't know that this is their story because there's such, such unbelievably tremendous shame. But this is, their, this, is, this is their background. It could be their father. It could be their mother. Um, even when parents are good... There, there's a lot of failing. And I, I, you know, my children are listening to this message. I'm sure they know there's a lot of failing from, from their dad. That's not a theory. Um, and from their mom. And, uh, and even, you know, if your family looks good. But there are families where um, people would say, it's obvious everybody our mom or our dad is not good. They are in no way in any way good. And sometimes it may not be um, physical abuse. It could be, it could be verbal. It could be abandonment. It could be, um, uh, you know, your parents' marriage just got so bad that it filled the house with such anger and hatred. And then ultimately, you know, there's divorce. And there's just really no space or room for you when you were young. And to that, um, I want to give you a word today um, about this. And so, please keep in mind, um, just, you know, we're going to be talking about this 
not just once, but we're going to talk about this again in a couple of weeks. This is a heavy and hard subject. And, um, and I'm almost apologetic to you because some of you are thinking like, I don't want to go there, pastor. <laughs> this is not really what I want to be hearing. And there is a place in your heart that there's a, a room or a place inside your heart that as far as you're concerned, that door can stay locked and it never stay, it opens up. You wish you could just forget about that part of your life, those memories, that, that person or persons. But I want to just start by saying this to you. It is a command from God. And the commands from God are never about, they're never just arbitrary or onerous. Our God is good to the nth degree. His commandments are good. They're wise. They're filled with love. And in these commandments, there is a pathway to something, a wholeness. And though it may be difficult for you to go to this place in your heart or to your memories, I'm going to ask you today to go to that place in hope. You, don't, you may not have belief, even, even faith yet. Something good can come of this. But today I want to ask you to go with hope. Just a hope. And you're like, I don't even hope, Pastor. But today could you ask hope? Not not because you feel you have power or because your mother or your father was good. Indeed, they were quite bad. But because God is good. And his word is good. His word is worthy of your trust. Even when you want to run away, you, you absolutely want to run away. His word is good and is worthy of trust. And um, I want to say this you know, this other thing too. A couple more things before I go to part two. Uh, church, you know, the, the, word, the word is very specific. And I want to give a little bit of, uh, of parenting uh, teaching from the, from the Bible. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and structure. That's Ephesians 6, 4. There's another verse, um, which I think is especially relevant today. Fathers, and of course this also applies to mothers. Um, but the fathers are the heads of the family, and so they're supposed to set this tone. Do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. They become heartbroken, lest they become crushed. And so, you know, you know our children are not fragile. <laughs> um, so I know that a lot of people think that they are fragile, but um, anger and wrath can provoke Something really terrible in our children. And one of the things I really want to say is if you are a parent that regularly becomes wrathful, you, you really lose your temper. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm guilty there too, okay? I'm not some Mr. Holy because I'm the pastor. I, when I get mad, at my kid, I really get mad. I get seriously mad. They know. And, um, and I want to I ask you to reflect on this. And if you are the kind of parent today that, you know, this story that we talk about, you, you, you feel, you're like, That's, that might be me. That is me. I want to say this to you too. There is forgiveness. Your sins against your, your, your son or your daughter are great. And moms and dads, you have tremendous power over your children. And you have to use it to the best that you can. And do not, 
you know, one of the things that, one of the problems inside of so many parents is that they're so sure that they're right. If their kid sasses them back or they think they're sassing them back, they just got to use their power to come back right on top of them. And you got to be careful not to do that. <laughs> you have to be careful to go somewhere else, to go toward persuasion with gentleness and um, come alongside and not just because you always have power. And if you have broken that, and even if you're not an abusive father or a mother, I'm sure you've all, you all know that guilt. And so, understand there's forgiveness from Jesus. And moms and dads, this may be a good week for you to think about being the kind of father and mother where you ask for forgiveness from your sons and your daughters so that you can help them obey this, obey this commandment. And so understand this is the gospels in so many ways. There's so many profound sins here inside the family. The family is so profoundly broken, especially in America today. But there doesn't have to stay broken. And who we are as fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, this, this is part of the promise of the gospel. Don't just think about yourself. I'm an individual and it's going to be me and Jesus and then I'm going to get this good life that I want. No, we, we need to be sons, broken sons. We need to be mothers and own that we are sinful mothers, but we can be washed and made new by the blood of Jesus. You know, the, the law... It is always good. But we, in our, our own power, we cannot do it. This is what causes some of the deep problems inside of our families. Is that I'm dad. You're supposed to honor me. I have power. And in my righteousness, I'm going to, you know, make sure things get done correctly. Well, that's often not our righteousness. It's our self-righteousness. Our righteousness filled with sin. And we need the gospel. We need Jesus and his grace the power of the Holy Spirit from the Father so that the law can become complete through the gospel. That's part one. Let me go to part two. I want to share with you um, a story. And um, for several weeks, knowing that I'm going to go into this, I'm going to go into this, this subject matter, I was thinking like, what do you say? And the, the Lord is so good. He gave, he gave me something. And you know, um, it's not about pastors being smart, prepping for sermons. It's a, it's a spiritual activity. And I trust that Jesus will give me of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and I think he did. When, um, when, when I was a young father, so this is, uh, I, I, and my marriage was not doing too good. <laughs> you know, Grace and I, Early, you know, some of you know that we, we weren't doing so well in, in the early years of our marriage and that we went into marital counseling when our children were young. And um, I stumbled, on, uh, I had just this, you know, we, I got this Christmas gift. It was an iPod. For those of you who don't know what that is, don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. Um, and so I got this thing called an iPod for Christmas. And for the first time, I got to discover this thing called podcast. And I stumbled on this cool podcast called Family Life Today. And I used to have at least a 30-minute drive to seminary when I was working on my PhD. And I would listen to this podcast. And there was an episode of Family Life Today 
uh, that I want to share with you. Um, and so I want to tell you a story about a guy named, the guest on that day was Ron Luce, L-U-C-E. And Ron Luce is, um, he founded and he's a leader of a ministry called Teen Mania Ministries. Um, this is back in 2006, and up to that point, he had led this ministry for 19 years. I'm not quite sure if it's still around. I hope it's still around, because what this guy does is he has these events in cities. It's kind of like these trip. He's like the Billy Graham of broken teenagers. That's kind of like what he's, that's the way I imagine him. Apparently, he fills stadiums with tens of thousands of teenagers and shares the gospel with them in a way that they can understand, and thousands of kids come forward and get saved. I mean, just their lives are unbelievably changed. But um, his own personal story um, is, is not so, didn't start off so great. So let me just get, tell you a little bit about him. He's actually not far from, he grew up in Sacramento. <laughs> and at a young age, at the age of seven, his, his parents had a horrible marriage. <laughs> and they got divorced at the age of seven. And as typical, he, he ended up with his mother. But um, there's a point in the episode where he says that when he was a child that he can't remember one, not one, good memory in his childhood. Not even one. And, um, you know, the host of the show, one of them just kind of stopped him and said, when you said that, your face, and he's been a Christian for many years now. When you listen to him, you could hear, this is a, he's a very joyful man, but just when he said that portion, he said, your face like turned and there was pain and sadness. And um, I can get this little feel. I mean, you know, I'm listening to this and you can just imagine what it must have been like. So um, when he was, uh, he was living with his mother and at the age of 15, apparently his life was so hor horribly miserable, he decided to run away. His, he had a brother living in the Bay Area. So this is a Bay Area, at least it touches upon our area. And so um, he supposedly went off to school and he just ditched school. He packed all his stuff and got on a bus. And he, he's been saying, he's like, I don't know why these people on the bus at Greyhound even let him get on. He's like, well, how can you let a 15-year-old kid just get on a bus? But he got on a bus, went to the Bay Area, lived with his brother for a short period of time. And then he wanted to go be with his father he was nervous because his mom told him that his dad hated him, which turned out not to be the case. It turned out to be a lie. And then um, at the age of 16, he ended up going to live with his father. Um, his father lived in Fresno. His father had been remarried. And, um, and this is what he said. His, his first conversation with his father when he showed up was, if you go get some of that, uh, you know, that, that dope, make sure you come home and you share it with me. <laughs> That's what his father was like. And so this is the 70s. And that's, he, that's what his, he, he thought his father was so cool. <laughs> he said, I must have the coolest father in the world. And, um, you know, in, into his junior year in high school, he spent it partying, doing lots of drugs and alcohol. And oftentimes with his mother, you know, his stepmother and his father. And that's what his life, he was, he was, um, he said he had long hair. He was like his wild you know, like, because you, you would not have wanted me around polite people. And um, I was, uh, you know, and, and uh, he goes, he was big. He was physically big. At one point, he, um, you know, he even, his, he, the, his father took his car keys from him. And then he basically goes, you better give that back to me. 
or I'm going to take them from you. And as he's saying that, he, he, has, he feels shame that he's ever at any point in his life. That's what it was like. Um, a friend of his invited him to church. Apparently when he was younger, he had gone to church. But it, it had always seemed completely um, irrelevant. And so he went to church. And he says there was about 200 people there. And it was lively. And people had joy. And they were singing. And he would listen to these songs. Like, who are they singing to? Who are they singing to? And he's like saying, they must, they're actually singing to God. It sounds like love songs. These people talk to God as if he actually exists. <laughs> and even though he looked like a wild and you know, rebellious type of kid, people were kind to him. And they were shaking his hands after service. And he could not believe what it was like. And so he says, whatever these people got, I want. And so the following week, he came back and he, he got saved. So basically it took him two weeks. Boom, boom, got saved. And he had a radical conversion. He just, he, um, it, it was, uh, he, all the drugs and the alcohol and all that, he just, he just threw it away. <laughs> and it was, he said, I don't need this. <laughs> I don't need this. Um, and he got, so he started going youth group all the time. <laughs> started getting serious about his Bible. And he was hanging out with his church all the time. And his parents thought he went completely nuts. And his stepmother hated it, absolutely hated it. And so she said that Ron has become some crazy um, Jesus freak. And she basically told her husband, um, it's either him or me. I mean, can you imagine? She said, either, either get rid of him or I'm leaving. And her husband chose her. So one day he came home and his stuff was packed. And his younger brother told him that it's either, you know, our step, well, I don't know if it's the, the boys, could have been his half-brother and said, that um, dad chose his wife and is kicking you out of the house. So he got kicked out of the house. He slept with some, you know, slept at some friend's house over the next over the next week. Went to church. His pastor at church um, brought him, you know, invited him over for for din dinner, and then he and his wife, his pastor and his wife said, live with us. And he says that was a miracle because he had like, apparently the, the pastor had like four beautiful daughters <laughs> and young children and he was this wild, rebellious looking guy. And he says, if it wasn't me, I wouldn't want me near those, you know, my, you know, my daughters and so, but the pastor did that. Radical act of faith. And he lived um, with that pastor for um, his senior year. And to this day, he's really good friends with uh, the, the, his children. Now, here's the part I want to get to. That's the back story. So, um, ah. so here, here's the part. I want to pick it from his own words. Here it says, it wasn't long. So he's living at his pastor's house. Probably three or four months after I'd really given my life to the Lord. I'm living with my pastor now. And I'm praying one day and the Lord gently taps me on my shoulder and whispers in my heart. He says, what about your mom? 
I said, forget about my mom. Well, you need to forgive her. I said, forgive her? She doesn't deserve me to forgive her. Do you know all the things she did to me? And he goes, well, you didn't really deserve me to forgive you either. I said, oh, well, you know, and so I said, but Lord. And then he said this. It was one of the sweetest moments I ever had with the Lord. Because my story is not just a story of forgiveness, but really how he redeemed me and made me whole again because I was so pretty broken. I said, Lord, what about the time she did this to me? And I recounted one of like all the worst memories I could ever remember. And so Dennis Rainey, who's the host of the show, asked him, so um, such as? And here's some of the stories. What about the time she was sitting on me and throwing blows to my face? I was about seven or eight years old. What about the time I got burned on the back by her cigarette? What about the time when I'm 13 years old and she told me, why don't you do me a favor and kill yourself? And I was just crying and pouring my heart out before the Lord. And the sweetest words I ever heard him say just whispered in my heart. He said, Ron, listen, I never wanted that stuff to happen to you. You know, your mom had a pretty rough childhood, pretty bad life. And she didn't understand everything she was doing to you. And you weren't the perfect kid either. So you should let it go. You need to forgive your mom. So I thought, well, that's great. When God builds a case against you, how do you refute that? Right? And so I said, okay, Lord, but I, I don't really want to forgive her. I don't know how to forgive her. So then I said, okay, Lord, I forgive her. And then a few days later, I'm mad at her again because I remembered something she'd done. And then I said, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I forgive her again. Then I'm mad at her. I was going back and forth for several weeks and finally I said, Lord, is this how my whole life is going to be? I'm just going to be getting, you know, remember something, get angry again. And the Lord took me through the kind of whole stepping stone process. He said, who decides whether you forgive? I guess it's my decision. And so have you forgiven her? I said, yes. So then don't pick it back up. Don't pick up the unforgiveness. <laughs> and so what I learned I had to do was I began to take forgiveness scriptures and memorize them, and meditate on them, and really let them wash my heart clean of the memories, and actually literally took forgiveness scriptures, and carried them around with me, and I did that for several months, 17 years old. And I remember praying one day, I was just in my prayer time, I was praying for my mom, and I'm only a senior in high school at this time, and I was praying for my mom, and I said, Lord, you need to teach, reach her, and touch her because I love her. And I stopped. <laughs> and I said, what, what, what? I love her? <laughs> I love my mom? I can't believe I actually love my mom. Lord, I do love her. You must have done that. You did that. You must have put 
love in my heart for her because I can never remember telling my mom that I loved her since I was just a little boy. So, I'm trying to fast forward. So he, he started calling her. He called her, she hang up. Call her, hang up. Call her, hang up. So he'd write her a letter. It would get sent back, unopened. Then wrote her another letter, un, unopened, sent back. And then, finally, he just he kept doing this. He just kept doing this. And he'd write, write her a letter, and then it didn't come back. And he was like, ah, she's reading it. So then he kept writing her. He kept writing her. And then he called her. And then she would pick up, and then he would talk for a while, and then she'd hang up. And he tells a story that um, he, he, that before, he hadn't seen her since he had, um, you know, but what he had done, the last time he had seen her before he got saved was that he went to go, she was in a divorce proceeding from, you know, her, her next husband, which is his stepfather. His stepfather and um, I guess she was abusive to the kids she had with him. And so he went to go testify against his mother. And because of that, her children were taken away from her. So she hated his guts. Absolutely hated his guts. So this is what's going on. And bit by bit, she began to melt. And they started to have a relationship. So, let me fast forward some more. So, and then uh, Dennis asked her, did she ever say sorry? I said, nope. Not one time. In fact, her whole response was, I was the best mother I knew how to be. I was a good mother. Do you hear what that is? It's pride. It's self-righteousness. It's Phariseeism. It's the most wicked. People think all these other things are the most wicked. You know, you and I, you know, you could be a good parent and you could still be like this. And so I want to ask you to think about that. So her whole identity was in her motherhood. So she defended her motherhood. I was a good mother. And she'd talk about all the reasons she was a good mother. She couldn't. It was like she was blind. She couldn't acknowledge and see what she had really done. So years later, after 13 years of praying for her, so think about how, how long this guy's praying for his mother. So he's now 30 years old, 13 years of praying for her. Kind of as a result of a tragedy, my younger brother was killed in a car accident. And I preached his funeral. And she came to the funeral. It was so volatile. Because I was the first one that got a call from the coroner's office. And I had to call the family and I had to call my mom. I knew my mom wasn't a Christian and it was going to make her even madder at God. And I said, Lord, how could I possibly tell her this? She already doesn't like you. And the Lord, I think, just gave me the, just the right word. So I said, Mom, Rick is in heaven with Jesus now. That's how I told her. I didn't say he died. And somehow those words kept resounding in her heart. And anyway, as a result of all the funeral and so forth, she committed her life to the Lord. <laughs> and not only did he, she give her life to the Lord, she got radically on fire, plugged into a church, changed all her friends, got plugged into an on-fire Bible study group, and ever since has really loved the Lord. Took 13 years of prayer. 
and the death of her son. Okay, it's not over. <laughs> Fast forward. Um, she still never apologized. So she now has a relationship. She sees their family life, comes out and visits her grandchildren. And then so finally there was a day. Um, finally, after many years coming to the Lord, she was visiting her house. And this just happened a couple years ago. So this apparently, this is 2006. He's been leading this ministry for 17 years ago. She came to me and said, I'm so sorry for the way that I treated you. And it was a great moment. You could hear his voice start cracking when he says that. And she wept. And I wept. Mom, you know, you didn't realize what you were doing. And I forgave you a long time ago. It's gone. It's under the cross. It's under the blood. And we're new now. We're new. It's really amazing how God can transform a relationship. I want to share that story with you because I want to offer you hope. I cannot promise that your story will turn out exactly like Ron Luce's story. What I can promise to you is that your God is the same God with the same salvation through Jesus. And he can offer you the same hope of the gospel. And some of you, um, I want to say a couple words of counsel um, before I close out my message. And um, some of you, you know, some of you, you're, you know, maybe, maybe your father has passed away. And so, you know, you don't have a chance. But you could still forgive him if you haven't. Maybe it's your mother and um, you could still forgive. Maybe you think like Ron, you don't think there could ever be a way. Today, I want to offer you hope. Hope. And on our power, if you have a wound like this, you're not going to be able to go, okay, the Bible said, that, you know, the pastor taught what the Bible said. Go honor my father and mother. I'm just going to go do Obviously, we're not going to be able to, be able to do that. You could probably utterly relate to what Ron said. I can't do it. I don't even know how to do it. But through Christ, he can pick you up and give you power and a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. And I want to offer a couple things. Um, practical things. Number one, I said this last week. And I want to ask, look to understand. So just a couple of things that can begin a process. To begin a process. Look to understand. Um, Ron Luce's mother came from a pretty bad background. Oftentimes when a mother or a father is abusive or like fails in a big way, they have been failed in a big way. In a sense, they're truly, uh, they've been a victim first before they became a perpetrator. And so, can you have, try to understand that. They were a child too. And they might have had a nightmare childhood too. Try to understand that. And um, second, seek mercy. What you want is condemnation. You want vengeance. But you seek mercy. 
and compassion. And this so much has to do with our hearts. When someone hurts us, especially really, really bad, we either just want to shut it out or only want to return hurt for hurt. Because that's justice. Justice. They deserve this, don't they? But as long as you will choose wrath and just, you know, justice, your justice is never going to have the wisdom and power and the mercy and the love of God. Your justice is going to be a sinful justice. Seek mercy. Only God knows how to put justice and mercy in a perfect way. And he has been merciful to you and to me when we did not deserve it. Indeed, we deserved condemnation. Would you choose again and again? Would you choose mercy? And I want to offer you one more thing too. Um, you may not have much hope. But maybe today's message will give you some conviction. You can feel you're like, gosh. It's like, does Ron have conversations with God? Ron and Luce must have conversations with God. You can feel God want to whisper. And he wants to have this conversation with you. And maybe you don't have much hope. But let me ask you, would you dare open this up to your church family? Some brothers and sisters that you trust. And ask and say, I think God is saying this to me. Ask for prayer. When you and I don't have hope, this is why we have the church. That's why we need each other. One of the ways that God provides power and strength is when we don't have it, your brother and sister may offer it to you. God has it for you through them. And they'll have hope. And it can't just be your, your prayers may you go like, I can't, my praying can't do it. Then ask, ask the church to pray with you. Ask your brothers and sisters to pray with you. And walk with you through this fraught and difficult pathway. But always remember, first and foremost, your brother Jesus is with you. To take you to the power of the Father. Now let me close our, our message today. I want to give you some picture about healing. And I want to give you the gospel's words about healing. Because what we're talking about here is the nature of our heart. It's either very hard or it's profoundly wounded. And if it's very hard because of wound, you're like, I'm not hurting. I'm just, I'm good. Well, then that means your heart is hard. That means it's broken. That means it's wounded. If your heart is not soft and you're incapable of compassion, you are, you, you don't want to love. You, you, you can't bring more people into you I want, one of the things I want to say to you, you're, you're, really a, you're really quite a tremendously broken person on the inside. On the outside, we can comb our hair and do our, you know, put on our clothes and go out into the world. And, but that's just practicing Phariseeism. The Pharisees make themselves look, you know, Jesus says, you clean the cup on the outside, but you're so rotten on the inside. Well, so many of us, we're dying on the inside. Or... We're in denial that we're dying because I'm strong. I can do this. So you make yourself hard. And so I want to close with this um, reflection. I want to say this. The human heart was not made for stuff. I've said this in different ways to you before. If you want your heart to be whole, you know, you're inside your heart. People have to be inside your heart. 
really important persons. Of course, you know that the most important person is God. At least I hope you know that. But actually, God wanted your mother and father to be there too. And I don't know if many of you, in our, we believe in this, this, uh, this nonsense, atheistic ideology. I don't need anybody else. I'm totally self-sufficient. It's, it's a wicked and horrible lie. Nobody is self-sufficient. Anybody who really believes in that and tries to build your life on that, you're only going to end up with emptiness. So you cannot fill your heart with stuff. <laughs> you can't fill your heart with a Tesla. <laughs> you can't fill your heart with a degree from you know, some top school. You can't fill your heart with lots of likes on Facebook. You can't fill your heart with fun. <laughs> your heart can only be filled with persons. And we're made this way. This is the way God made us. And we live in this society that's in un, a profound denial of this thing, which is why there is so much um, denial and addiction and anger and lies. We, we lie to other people. I'm not hurting this much. Oh, I'm, I'm good. And then you go home and then, and then you drown yourself in ice cream. Or alcohol or something harder or entertainment in all these ways one of the things I want to offer you to this is God you know he intended that there would be a father and a mother that there's going to be a person in your life they're a big person and you know what they're intended to do they're going to say no matter what I'm here for you and I approve of you and I am proud of you. And I always delight in you. You know, children, when we were children, we're always, do you, you notice that kids are always looking for that from their moms and dads? They want that so badly. If ever there's a time when their mother and their father would ever really break that, it really breaks them. But really, the mother and the father, even when they're good, even when they're good, even when they're good, they're going to never be quite big enough. But there's, they're part of the people that need to make your heart big and whole. So they come to, come in to inhabit and indwell you. And then as we, you know, grow older, then, you know, it, it, you could need a wife. And then you should allow people into your life, a teacher, or a coach, or a boss. And some people think, well, like, I don't care what he thinks of me. If, you, if you're that way, let me say something to you. You're a broken person. You're in denial. You know, it's actually really good that if you find people they really, that you really, really admire, and you want to please them. It's not, oh, you're a pleaser. No, 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 no. You're allowing them to come into your heart and to be big in your life. And to love you. And your heart becomes whole. But ultimately. For those of us who had a father and a mother. Who really. Badly broke this. There's a great. There's an incredible passage in the Bible. Psalm chapter 68. That God says. Father of the fatherless. And the protector of widows. You know those are the two different types of people that the that especially are just 
utterly lost. You know, the widows don't have their husband to provide and even more inside their heart. But especially the fatherless. And some of you, you're like, I was motherless. I was fatherless. But the true God said, you were never truly fatherless. The true God was always your father. Even when you could not see him. And he protected you and he watched after you. And he called you to himself. And he sent forth his son to make a way where we could not have a way. Well, we did not know how to be sons. And we did not know how to be daughters. And we did not know how to receive love. And we did not know how to. We rejected the father. And we were pretty bad sons and daughters. They're just pretty bad people. All broken up where, the, where there should be just a vast expanse. There was just hardness. Where there, there should be tremendous hope and openness. There was just despair. And Jesus came. And just as Ron said. He came. So that all our hurts and all our disappointments. Not just our sins. He came so that it would be upon him. And his blood can wash away all the pain and all the sorrow and all the shame and all the dying and make us new so that our hearts can open up and God the Father can take his place in an infinite space, the infinite God, and give you an infinite approval and a love. So you would not have to stay angry or bitter, or broken, or closed off, or a victim. You're not a victim. You're not a victim. Jesus has made you more than conqueror. Like Ron, he wa- like he said, like Ron Luce said, he can wash these away. And what is broken between you and mom or dad or both, the father can come in and make a way. So that you could be whole. And together again. So brothers and sisters. If you are in this place. um, Let our father. Be your father. And let trust that Jesus. Can make all that is painful and terrible. He can open it up. And make it new. Maybe today. You can open up the possibility of hope. Of hope. Just even wanting forgiveness and reconciliation. And a step toward your wholeness and healing. Let's pray. There is tremendous devastation across the land. And um, on the outside, there are so many people that look like they're okay. And they pretend like they're okay. May even be even, they even tell themselves they're okay. And something like honoring their father, they just want to kill their father. Let alone honor him. But we pray, Lord, Father, would you be the greatest father and send forth the hope of Jesus 
and the sweet, gentle voice, your voice through the Holy Spirit and call them toward healing and toward hope. Back to you, Father. If there's anybody in our church and who listens to this message who's convicted of that, I pray that they would wrestle and they would not be shy. It's not easy. It'd be so much better if we could be together and they could receive that intercessory prayer in this room, but they would not be shy to email pastors at revivedpres.church and we would pray for you and we would go into that place of hope, hope for forgiveness and reconciliation. We thank you, Jesus, that your cross is that great to conquer all sin and death and shame and pain and brokenness of our hearts. And your resurrection is so great that the newness is not just something in the future, that you make things new, including our relationships with our, with our family members in our deepest, hardest places. We love you. We honor you. Receive this worship and pour out your spirit on us. In Jesus' name, amen.